Hello, and welcome back to Caverncast. Oh, welcome back. I haven't said that one before. Welcome back. Look at me being incredibly presumptuous, presumptuous that you have been here before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Either way, it's nice to have you here. I hope you're doing well. I have actually not been going through the greatest time. As many of you know, I speak on mental health quite a bit. Um, I never go too in-depth because I'm not a professional, but I've had my fair share of experiences with it, with the instability of it all, and whilst I work every day on myself and um, do things to the best of my ability to keep myself not on a high or anything like that, just on an even keel, because during the um, the course of my life, the the subconscious slash unconscious habit that I've built up um, has been one of negativity, and I you know I haven't done that on purpose, but it has built up nonetheless, and now I'm aware of that. I um. I do what I can every day to make it not like that, to, to counter that in a way. However, there are, there are times in life when um, everything going on internally and externally mixes together in this melting pot of triggering crap, basically, for want of a better phrase, and, and you know, it can catch you off guard. And it did for me, and um, I find the worst thing I can do when this starts happening is trying to force myself to feel the other way, because it it kind of doesn't work like that. It's like you know, in in the first Harry Potter film, when they get caught in the devil's snare, and the more you struggle, the tighter its grip becomes. And it's kind of like that, but then when you relax, you um you sink through it, you still have to go through it, but you end up moving through to the other side of it, and that's what I had to do. And I knew that the the place I was in, um, I, I didn't want to talk to anyone, I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone, so all this anxiety just came back, and I just, I became this sort of numb shell of a person, and I didn't want to force myself to make a podcast. I didn't want to force myself to do um, the other work I needed to do. And because if I'm going to make a podcast for you guys, like the whole point of it is to chill out. And and whilst this podcast does help me, and I'm very grateful for it, um, and it's you know it's helped me massively. Just like I hope it's helped you guys as well. I don't want to be inauthentic i've spent too much of my life forcing emotions that aren't there for the sake of other people and whilst i have a lot of love for you guys i would be doing you a disservice if i was to turn up to this and just talk for the sake of talking whilst on the inside i'm you know crumbling like a succulent crumble I don't know why I'm a succulent crumble that is the first word that came to my head because crumbles like apple crumbles are quite succulent you know they're delicious they're very good I like them a lot big fan just 
of most desserts. I'm a big dessert guy, to be honest. I was thinking about Viennetta. Do you remember Viennetta? I think they still do Viennetta. And I was thinking about it because I was on TikTok and I saw this, um, uh, it was like Viennetta being made in a factory and it was like the machine that it gets made on. If you don't know what Viennetta is, Viennetta is basically, I, in the UK at least, it's sort of the height, it's like the the, the creme de la creme of um, ice cream, like frozen desserts. And I don't, you know, if you were, if you came from like a working class family, if you, even if you were at like the, the depth of poverty, um, growing up in England, if you had, if you got your hands on a Viennetta, you felt like you had all the money in the world. Like I've spoken before about, you know, like going around friends' houses, it's like, how do you know your friends had money? It's if they had Viennetta in the fridge. And every now and then my nan would buy a Viennetta. And, um, I, it was like, it was like Christmas. I was so excited. Um, I associate my nan with a lot of desserts and, um, yeah, Viennetta was just one of the most incredible because it's, it's got like a pattern to it. It looks like ancient Greek architecture in an ice cream block in a, in a block of ice cream. Um, and it tastes magnificent. A lot of people say it's overrated. I have too much, um, too many good memories associated with it so it'll never be overrated to me just like the first place I worked um, this pizza place that I worked in will forever do the best pizza I've ever had in my life it doesn't matter where I go or whether the pizza is objectively better anywhere else this is this is like this place is the best pizza you'll ever have in your life in my opinion um, and that's just the way it is okay so, if you haven't been hanging around here before, welcome to the podcast. What I do here is I generate five random words using a random word generator, and then I just talk about them. I talk about whatever comes to mind. Sometimes, on very rare occasions, it'll be a word that I have no idea what means. And that's, you know, means we all get educated we all get educated. Sometimes it'll be anecdotal tales from my mind hole. Sometimes it'll be learning facts about butterflies, etc., etc. That is the first time that my mind has gone, no, it's not etc., it's etc. I always thought it was etc., etc. It's not etc. E-T-C-E. T-E-R-A B-I-C-T-H R-E-S-T-E-C-P was that spell? Ristekpa 10 points for the reference But today's first word is Bumpy Bumpy Bumpy, bumpy, bumpy That's a fun first word Not bump, bumpy and immediately I think of goosebumps and there's, wow, there's actually, okay, huh. It's nice when my mind starts working again because, 
because instead of not being able to think of a single thing and you know the well-being dry i'll think of goosebumps and it's just my mind just goes okay sir would you like goosebumps the book series the tv series goosebumps as in the the human phenomenon or would you like a story would you like <laughs> you know it's it's nice and I have to t- I have to remember to take a moment to be grateful that my mind can work. So carrying on, goosebumps. I uh, I'm going to give you the example of the epitome of irony. Well, I think so anyway. So I was a little while ago round a friend of mine, friend of mine's friends of mine. I was round a friend of mine's place. We were all sat in the garden. And uh, round there for the for her birthday, and my friend's sister, who is also a friend of mine, we're all friends, we're all pals. Um, she has a phobia. Now let me see what this phobia is actually called. Okay, I'm not, I'm not actually sure. This has a name. So I, when I googled it, I got trypophobia, but trypophobia is the fear of, um, like, lots of repetitive small holes, like honeycombs. Um, but this fear that my friend has is a fear of, um, like, small round things, like peas, or, like, little like BB bullets or marbles or like things like that. Like they really, really like spoon her out. And one of the things that falls into this um, category is goosebumps. And I just, I couldn't help but laugh because she was telling me the other day that she got goosebumps, but the goosebumps freaked her out. So she got more goosebumps because they made her like do that shiver thing. You know, like if you have a spider crawling on you and you get that little, <laughs> um, exactly like that. Um, she had that when she got goosebumps. So it was just like a recurring thing for like 10 minutes. She kept like shivering and she was in this cycle and, you know, she was laughing about it. So I felt okay to laugh about it, but I just, I couldn't get over the irony of the whole thing. She deals, she deals with it a lot better now. And, you know, I'm, I'm not making fun of, of phobias at all, but, um, cause I know how badly they can affect people. But I, I just couldn't get over the irony of that self-fulfilling prophecy, the vicious cycle of goosebumps. Um, speaking of goosebumps freaking you out, it was a scary series. I don't, I don't know if any of you read the books in school or watched the series. There was some, like, back in, like, the 90s and 2000s, some very, like, questionable kids stuff was being made. Thinking back to it now, like, I remember Goosebumps, I remember the Demon Headmaster, and I remember Round the Twist, and they were some, um, they were three... TV shows that and and books that that really sort of freaked me out quite a lot, and I think I think I think 
I don't know if just the people at the BBC just had a a penchant for freaking out little kids, but um, I was it's definitely stuck with me some things. And I remember there was an episode of The Queen's Nose. I think I feel like I've spoken about this before. So The Queen's Nose was an awesome series about um, a magical 50p that if you rubbed it, a 50p coin, so and if you rubbed it, you could make a wish. And I remember this uh, kid had The Queen's Nose and on he was on a boat and he wished for like unlimited spaghetti and he was eating it and then he was enjoying himself. But then he was full as, you know, most humans get when they've had enough to eat, especially carbs, and he pushed the bowl away, and then it came back with more spaghetti, and he was like, whoa, dude, chill, I, I'm good for the spaghetti, I don't need no, I don't need no more carbs in my life, I've carb-loaded, okay, um, and the bowl then came back with even more on it, and he kept pushing it back until this boat was invaded and consumed and overrun with um with spaghetti and it cuts to a shot outside the uh the boat and there's like spaghetti pouring out and spilling out everywhere and you just hear the muffled spaghetti filled cries of this child <laughs> drowning in this terrifying carbohydrate kid shows are weird man very weird I think there's some people that get can can give themselves goosebumps on command. That's a thing that some people can do, right? Do we know the phenomenon? Why do we get goosebumps? I've definitely googled this before, but go- gooseberry goosebumps. What goosebumps are? So, according to the National Institute of Health. Even though humans have evolved to have relatively little body hair, we still produce goosebumps when cold. Goosebumps occur when tiny muscles in our skin's hair follicles, called erectopili muscles, pull hair upright. For animals with thick fur, this response helps keep them warm, but it doesn't do so for people. Still, this ability to make goosebumps persists in humans and other animals that don't have enough hair to retain warmth. Also, it's a way to keep us warm. And I guess when, um, you know, if we get scared, it's like feeling like your body's gone cold, so the temperature drops. But then why is that? So why do we get it when listening to music? Oh, very interesting. Music can send chills up some people's spines and give them goosebumps. According to new research, this could mean they experience more intense emotions. Eh. Goosebumps are actually part of our fight or flight response. It could be linked to our brains releasing dopamine. Hmm. I reckon, I reckon it's the same as ASMR. I think it's an ASMR thing. Autonomous sensory meridian response. I think it's just your brain going, <laughs> like, uh, I, just because. I might look into that a bit more. But for now, we will move on to word number two, which is chew. Word number two is chew. To chew. 
to chew or not to chew. I think I killed a swan once. So... <laughs> Segway, but not really. That's a crazy segue, but not really. So, um, Hubba Bubba, Hubba Bubba is a brand of chewing gum. I think they're still around. That was available in the UK and I imagine America, but, you know, I don't know. Either way, it was a good chewing gum. They did all the flavors. They were one of the only chewing gums or bubble gums that, um, actually sort of kept their flavor for a while. So, um, I used to very much enjoy it. I used to partake uh, relatively frequently in a hubba bubba. But one of the best things they did, in fact, the best thing they did, I think, was this. They basically did a roll of tape, a roll of chewing gum tape. And it came in this round plastic container, um, almost like a sort of like a sellotape machine. And you would like, you would open it, pull some out, pull a bit of the chewing gum tape out and then like clip it off. Um, it would open and close like a Pac-Man almost. And when you'd close like the Pac-Man mouth, it would clip some of the, um, the gum off. Uh, me being the <laughs> oh so crazy quirky kid that I was, decided not to eat it the normal way with a, you know, bit by bit at a time. No, I just took a chunk out. I just bit into it. Like, what kind of child, what kind of psychopathic child was I? That's along the same lines as, like, biting into a Kit Kat without splitting it. Or eating a fab without licking off the chocolate. Do you know what I mean? Heresy. Absolutely sickening behavior that you should be locked up for for at least five to seven years, minimum. Anyway, I did that as a child. We've all made mistakes, and we've all learned from them, hopefully. But um, I was at a Riverside pub uh, when I was, yeah, what was I, seven? Something like that. Giving myself a little bit of credit. I hope I wasn't older because I should have known better. But anyway... We were sat on a bench by the river and um, I had my Hubba Bubba tape and I accidentally dropped this entire Hubba Bubba roll of tape, chewing gum tape, with a chunk taken out of it that um, resided in my mouth. I dropped it off the side and whilst I was slightly disappointed, my heart dropped when I saw a swan, one of the queen's majestic birds, swing by, thinking I'd, I'd chucked it some bread or a delectable treat. No, no. It was an entire roll of hubba-gubba-bubba-gum, hubba bubba bubble gum tape. It picked it up, and it started swimming away and chomping on this hubba-bubba tape. Now, this is, um, this whole story, I, I call this story Schrodinger's Swan. And if you don't know the story of Schrodinger's cat, let me tell you. Um, Schrodinger was a philosopher, and he put a cat in a box and left it there. And basically, his theory was, his, 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 um, the, the, the paradox, 
I guess, is that the cat is both alive and dead because there is no way of knowing until you open the box whether the cat is alive or dead, so both realities exist at the same time. I call this one Schrodinger's swan because there is no way of knowing whether the swan lived or died. I'm hoping it realized it wasn't getting any nutritional value from this cinder block of chewing gum and promptly spat it out, but I can't ever know, and I will never know. So, on good days I believe it was fine, and on bad days I believe I'm a monster, and it's just one more thought that fuels my negative spirals. And that is my my take on Chew. Speaking of uh, boxes, um, that is the next word. The next word is box. Cats in boxes. I rescued a lot of hedgehogs when I was younger, and so we always kept a few cardboard boxes just to keep them in, just in case. So many of them didn't make it though, but a few did. A few did, and that was really nice. I can't not rescue animals, and it's annoying. It's not. It's not annoying, but it's like, it's a real pull in me to be like, I could be going somewhere. It could be the most inconvenient thing in the world, but I will, I, I will help. That is one of the things in my nature, and I am grateful for it, and I'm sure the hedgehogs were too. You don't see many hedgehogs anymore, actually, thinking about it. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff you can do with a box, thinking about this. You could be a robot, it could be a fort, um, it could be an aeroplane, it could be a car, it could be a cat's palace. My friend has a cat uh, called Ripper, gorgeous little thing, um, but doesn't care about any toy, any toy that you give her and will only play with the wrapping of whatever that thing is. Loves it. Lo- will go crazy for a wrapper. Or some, um, or some, like, brown parcel paper or stuff like that. Crazy. Goes nuts for it. Ripper. She's so adorable, though. She's, she's not a ripper. But she is. She's like a cute little, a cute little black adorable demon so cute I never did boxing growing up I did a, I did quite a few martial arts but I didn't do quite a few martial arts I did mixed martial arts and um, and karate but I never did boxing apart from like you know with friends in the back garden lads being lads oh you got some boxing gloves oh let's oh let's have a box and um, came away with a, f- with a few bloody noses but um, I quite like watching it I quite like doing it. I think it's very good. It's a very good thing to do for your mental health. Any form of, um, you know, fighting sport, I think is very good for your mental health. Even if you're not sparring, even if you're just hitting pads or a punch bag, I think it's incredible. There was a, there's a film called Never Back Down and it's a martial arts film and uh, there's a point in it where they're talking about the, um, the the 
stigma of uh, young boys or just young people in general going and doing martial arts and like or anything that resembles fighting because they want to beat each other up and they're angry and they you know it, it generates really violent people and the quote from it is amazing it's the 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 instructor the the, the trainer the sensei that's there says all of the people that come here they're a lot less angry when they walk out than when they walk in and it's a hundred percent true i've spoken about this before it's all just energy that needs to to go somewhere um safely and healthily so all this like like boxer size is is really good um because it's just like high intensity like energy releasing um for like half an hour or an hour or whatever and it's you know you can get your frustrations out in such a healthy way um so highly recommend that if you need something along those lines where did where did boxing come from i mean just fighting <laughs> right this is going to be a real obvious one isn't it origin of boxing while humans have fought in hand-to-hand -hand combat since the dawn of human history, the earliest evidence of any type of boxing can be seen in Sumerian carvings from the 3rd and 2nd millennia BC. So, quite old school then. The earliest evidence of boxing rules dates back to ancient Greece, where boxing was established as an Olympic game in 688 BC. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, way back in 688 BC. Mad rhymes. Word number four of today is lush. And immediately I can smell it. You could, like, if any of you are like me, just hearing the word lush, like, it just gives all of us synesthesia. You hear the word lush and it just conjures up extreme like sensory um stimulation of soapy goodness goodness i don't even know if goodness is the word soapiness soapiness um and if you if you've never been to a lush lush is a shop um that sells all sorts of um hygiene products but they are the most colorful colorful um products you've ever seen in your life to the point where a lot of them look like food and the smells are so lovely but the shops are just a complete like tidal wave of the smell i don't know how the staff in there i don't know how they survive just extreme overstimulation of the nasal passages every day from nine till five my heart goes out to you maybe that's why they so lush employees are sort of infamous for being overly uh, attentive to customers and like hounding them almost i say that in jest because you know it's nice it's just they're enthusiastic but my theory is that now that the smell is so intense that they just 
they just want to do anything to to get to distract them from the smell so as soon as a customer walks in they're fighting like dogs to try and uh, get the customer's attention so they don't have to think about the smell for 10 minutes it's great though i've bought so many things from lush before uh, so back to what i was saying it looks a little bit like food um a lot of the a lot of the products and whilst I have never gone into Lush and tried to eat anything because I have some semblance of um, intelligence sometimes, what I have tried to do is eat a Lush product at a friend's house not knowing it was a Lush product because they just bought it, opened it, opened it from the packaging before I got there and left it on the kitchen table. So I thought it was like a chocolate loaf type thing and it was a it was a friend of mine who like you know you have those friends where it's like what's mine is yours type thing so I didn't feel like I had to ask in this instance definitely should have asked because not only were my nasal passages smited down so were my taste buds and I will not be doing that again in a hurry now I'm very vigilant of everything that looks good that I put in my mouth. I'm going to be more vigilant of my phrasing in the future, I think, as well. Anyway, I do like the word lush. You know, conjures up images of fields and beautiful landscapes and just comfort and just niceness. And for those of you who, who don't know, I, like, I've grown up in the countryside so I like a lot of green. Uh, I like, I do like a lush grass from time to time. Well, most of the time, if I could have a, if I could frequent a lush grass lawn daily, my, my health would be good. I would be a, I'd be a happy guy. I'd be a happy guy. And the last word of today is clash. Lush and Clash. Both very onomatopoeic words. Someone tweeted me actually saying they now associate the word onomatopoeia with me, and I take it as a massive compliment. <laughs> compliment. Um, so, I appreciate that. L yeah, Lush and Clash. Very onomatopoeic, but very opposing by the by their natures. Um, the Clash, the punk band The Clash, were the first band I was ever, I think, exposed to, which speaks volumes about why my personality is a lot of the way it is now. I spent big parts of my childhood listening to The Clash and other punk bands, and just jumping around my living room you know if i was if i was ever to be in the world championships for the floor is lava if i had the clash in my earphones i'd be winning gold hands down it wouldn't even be a competition i would win by a country mile if I had the Clash playing, because I just used to jump over, um, 
like sofas and like on top of the television and the mantelpiece. I was like a ninja listening to The Clash, just like a bullet, because there was so much energy. No wonder they thought I had ADHD. But yeah, The Clash, phenomenal band. Um, they were, yeah, they were a punk band. Uh, they were formed in seven, 1976, which was like the beginning of punk. Um, they were like they were like one of the original original punk bands. Joe Strummer, Mick Jones, Paul. I never knew whether it was Simonon or Simonon. Either way, um, and the drummer was called Topper. Everyone called the drummer Topper. Anyway. There was just so much attitude in it, and same with like the Sex Pistols and um, the Buzzcocks and and bands like that. It was just I loved that raw energy and and just the name The Clash is such a good name for a punk band. It's such a visceral, visceral, visceral word. A clash of the Titans, The Clash. Clash of Clans, that's a game, isn't it? But they're not sponsoring this podcast, so I'm not going to talk about them. <laughs> I hold no opinion over the Clash of Clans. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, it's funny how a word, just like a smell, can take you so far backwards. Like, I hear the word Clash, and I think, I don't get goosebumps. Oh, reference to earlier. But, um... I definitely do. It, it triggers a response in me of just, I start getting more energetic, which is not what we want for this podcast. So I'm going to bring it down to an end, I think, for this time. This may have been a bit of a uh, a weird sort of warm back in. I, a sort of, I have, feel like I haven't spoken into the microphone in a little bit. I know it's only been a week, but um, yeah. It's been it's it's been a week that's felt like a year. Maybe not a year. That's being a bit dramatic. Oh come on now. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a a while of feeling very just flat batteried. Um, some of it might have been the heat of last week as well, and. Um, you know, just a culmination of everything. But um, yeah, I'm on I'm on the mend now. I think I'm just taking it very slowly. But yeah, it's nice to have my mind working again. And I'm trying not to overcompensate and go too far the other way. Um, but what I wanted to say before I leave is um, thank you, really thank you um to anyone who uh sent me a message of love and support or just kind words and just people that have been like dude i get it like we're, we're all human we're all going through it you're not alone and now i extend the same thing to you you are not alone at all and i know it's like the most cliche phrase to use but you're really not no matter how much it feels like you are, there are people going through it. And um, if you really feel like you're not in a place to talk to someone, hey, let me talk to you. 
let me chat to you about some random words for a bit and let that try and help your mind settle a little bit so then you can go and talk to someone and maybe share with them a fun fact that you learned in a podcast as a little peppering, a little seasoning to go along with uh, your mental, physical or life issues that you need to get off your chest. Add some spice and some variety. Hey, so I think I have depression, but also boxing was invented in ancient Sumerian times. Help me. (laughs) And that's it for me this week. Um, Hell of a time. Hell of a time. Right. I hope you uh, have a good rest of your day or a nice sleep or whatever is happening after we leave. Maybe another episode. Let it carry on. Let it play. Maybe you're already asleep. Who knows? Either way, I hope you're feeling a bit more chilled than you were when we first started. Thank you so much for listening and please do take care of yourself. Please do be kind to yourself and I will speak to you soon. Thank you again. Bye.